this week, a friend suggested that I watch Young Guns. I've never seen it before, and I know I'm way behind because it's about 20 years old, maybe a little bit more. But I decided to give it a try because most of the time when this friend suggests movies, they tend to be pretty good movies. And of course, after I got done, it was an incredible movie, but it got me thinking a little bit about wrestling. So the cast of characters they portray to you is these group of bandits that their father figure was killed. There's a lot to offer in this movie because the group of gunslinging bandits have all really different personalities. There's a lot of different archetypes in this movie, if you will. Heels and faces. Emilio Estevez, who a lot of time loves to play the arrogant heel, does that at, at his best in this movie. It's not a crazy thing to see him do. It is a crazy thing to see him so bloodthirsty, though. He's not scared of killing. He honestly prefers it. He wants it. He's on a revenge track. But that's not really what got me thinking about wrestling. And that's not why I found this movie so interesting. The reason I found this so interesting is Kiefer Sutherland's character is the perfect face. But he's also kind of an anti-hero. These are the types of characters in wrestling that are so rare, but so true to form. They really make you think about yourself when you watch them wrestle, when you watch them cut a promo, when you think about the greatest babyface anti-hero characters in history, you've got people like Stone Cold. You've got people like John Moxley. These are the types of wrestlers that you see cut these babyface promos and you're like, okay, you're totally blending in the lines between heel and face, but you're also absolutely a face. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that Keith or Sutherland was a face in this movie. He was the guy. He wanted to leave. He wanted to get out. He didn't want to kill. He killed because it was a necessity. But there were times when he didn't mind having blood all over him, wiping it into his face. He's not afraid to bleed. He's not afraid to get down and dirty. He's not afraid to do the wrong thing. He would just prefer not to. And I think that's such a similar characteristic to someone like John Moxley in AEW. Because the man really does want to be a good guy. He wants to be the guy that you want to cheer for. But he also wants to beat someone's ass. And when he can't, he's probably a little bit disappointed. He probably goes home to his wife and says, man, I wish I could have punched that guy a couple more times. It's a quality that makes you love him. It's also a quality that makes you root for him because he's not going to do the dirtball thing most of the time. He's the guy that you believe in because he's the guy you want to believe in. That's the trick about babyface antiheroes. I know that they're kind of not the same thing, but they kind of are in these instances. When you think about Kiefer Sutherland in this movie, he's the one that you want to live at the end of the movie. You have the reckless heel in Emilio Estevez who you kind of expect to get killed and die because the whole movie, he's saying, let's go on. Let's go five against 50. Let's go fuck the numbers. Who cares? We can beat them. But that's not always the case how it is. Tons of movies where you see these types of characters, they tend to die. So I went through the whole movie expecting the arrogant heel to die and he did not. Neither did Kiefer Sutherland. Spoiler alert. But these types of characters lead you to believe certain things about him or to feel certain ways about these types of characters. And I think that's the way that characters that we like in wrestling make us feel. 
When you think about great heels right now, you obviously point your finger at someone like MJF, who is dastardly. He does everything he can do to make you not like him. But for some reason, when he puts a microphone in his hand, everybody that's a wrestling fan is interested. They are tuning in because he's so damn good that you have to root for him. Those are the types of heels that are really, really hard to come by. Those are the Emilio Estevezes, the arrogant heels that you don't want to see succeed, but you also don't want to see fail. You want more. You need more. And that's what's interesting about this movie because they had so many different ways they could tug you. You could go with Emilio. You could go with Keith or Sutherland. You could go any way you want to go. You could go with Lou Diamond Phillips, who's a white meat baby face. Absolutely. When he cuts that promo in the middle, it might bring a tear to your eye. It's worth it. It's a great babyface promo. There's so many different types of characters in this movie, and I think that's what really makes a great movie. It makes you have a lot of emotions, a range of emotions, and makes you feel the way that the director wanted you to feel about the movie. So as I pulled away from this movie and finished it off, I really believe that I got something out of this. And that's kind of what I hope to get out of each week of AEW Dynamite. That's the type of, type of characters that they need to build to get people invested in these shows, and I think they're doing that. I think when you see someone like Brian Danielson or John Moxley or MJF, all these different types of characters that pull you different directions, they all make you feel certain ways, whether it be MJF's blue Corvette story, which makes you upset and angry, and it's supposed to. It puts chills on your arm because it's so good. It's so real. It's right out of the brain of MJF. Or it's, it's John Moxley's promo about not letting this company go. He is this company. The company is M-O-X. It makes you believe that he's not letting this company go down unless he's going down with it. A true babyface antihero. Or you've got someone like Brian Danielson who just wants to get to wrestle. He just wants to wrestle. And that in itself is an admired old quality. There's so many different characters in wrestling today. And I think it's weird that a lot of times we gloss over this and we skip over this and we don't remember how much we have at our hands right now, which I'm going to get into a little bit later. But I want you all to take a second and just think about what we're watching and, and witnessing right now in wrestling. We are getting a lot of really, really good storylines in all shows. Every single show. What a time to be alive. What a time to be a wrestling fan. I wanted to talk about something that had me a little bit perturbed today. I was making the rounds at work and I was having a conversation with a guy about wrestling. What's new? And he was telling me, and this comes from an archetype of wrestling fans that still exist, but they're not as mainstream as they used to be. There's this type of wrestling fan that only likes muscular and big wrestlers. They only like the body guys. They only like the guys that are tough, that make it look real with quotes around it, as they say. This kind of stuff really gets me heated and makes me want to makes me want to argue with these people. And when I say argue, I don't mean yell and scream and throw a fit or 
fight because everyone has their opinion and things that they like, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with liking certain things. But when you try to ostracize people in wrestling that aren't huge and aren't giant and aren't muscular, then it becomes an issue because then you're taking away pieces of wrestling that other people like. Like Kevin Owens, per se. Uh, a little bit chunky in the middle. There's nothing wrong with that because he's an incredible wrestler, an incredible promo. And everything he does is perfect because he is a trained professional. When did we become a society that only accepts Sid Vicious type wrestlers or Kevin Nash type wrestlers? Not that there's anything wrong with a large wrestler, but we should be able to have a lot of different styles of wrestlers so that everyone can find the thing that they enjoy the most. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of the world of sunset flips and constant spots and looking for the spot and hanging out outside the ring waiting to catch someone. But these things don't disturb me enough to get on the internet and complain about it or to be in person talking wrestling with someone and say something like, I don't understand why everyone's standing in the corner waiting to catch the guy. Because that's how we make him safe. And this is entertainment, and that's the sport that we love. That's how it works. Everybody can't take Mick Foley bumps onto concrete on their back a hundred times and be healthy. We are watching a sport that is incredibly dangerous. If you want reality, there's tons of other sports where you can get that. Honestly, go watch the slap boxing thing that just came out. Do whatever you want, but make sure you understand what this sport is. The object of this sport is to get your character over with a crowd. The object of this sport is to be athletic enough or to be able to be charismatic enough where people believe in you, where people want to watch you wrestle. And that's why people like Seth Rollins, who's not the biggest guy in the world, he's not veins and muscles, is able to be an incredible wrestler. When you see something that he does and you think, damn, he's really, really good. He's at the top of his game right now. That's what wrestling is. And the crazy thing about it to me is this is all sports. This is every sport today. Take your pick. Basketball. Things are not exactly like they were in the 1980s, are they? There's no more Bill Lambeers running around, throwing elbows, and trying to knock people out. The enforcers don't exist anymore because now fouls are called. It's the same with football. This is not the same sport it was in the 1980s. People are not taping up their knuckles and purposely punching each other in the face because it'll get you suspended and it'll get you fined. Because we have common sense now, and we understand that this is a sport where someone should be able to make money. That's what the purpose of this is, is to make money. That's why wrestlers wrestle, so they can make money. That's why a basketball player shoots a basketball or dribbles a basketball, to make money. It's the same in any sport you watch. The athletes have gotten better over time because they've learned from the past generations. The game has upgraded. It's safer. It's better. It's faster. Whether you want to believe it or not, this is where we are. Whether you like it or not, this is where we are. You can't turn back the hands of time unless you invent a time machine 
And if you do that, let me know because I'd love to go back and watch some of those Dusty Rhodes promos. All I'm saying is you don't have to forget the past exists. You can tell everybody that the 80s was the best time for wrestling. You can even cite promos and matches and why it's the best time for wrestling. But what we're not going to do is we're not going to take this generation we have and poo-poo it and throw it in the trash. Because that doesn't make a lick of sense to me. It makes me think that people aren't really watching these shows. They're just saying wrestling's not the same and just writing it off and moving on down the road. Because we don't have somebody like Goldberg running through everybody every single week who's giant and muscular and scary and everybody's uh, fearful of him. That doesn't exist anymore. Well, maybe Jade Cargill, but she's really, really good. So I just want you to take some time and think about it. Think about it. If you're not, if you don't like the new stuff, you don't like the new stuff. It's fine. No one's going to sit you down and tape your eyelids open and force you to watch AEW on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. No one's going to do it. But what I can tell you is that if you stopped and you took a minute to watch AEW on Wednesday night at 8 p.m., you would find wrestlers that you like. There are body wrestlers wrestling today. Now, you're going to have to watch some wrestlers you don't like. Welcome to the club. Because there's a list of people that I'm not super fond of, but I watch anyway because I love the sport of wrestling. It's my favorite sport in the world. It's the reason I get on this podcast every week because I want to talk to you guys about wrestling. I want to tell you about the things that I'm thinking about wrestling and where we're going. But if you're not giving it the time of day, then that seems more like a you problem than it is a me problem. So to finish off this episode, I'd like to do a little reckless speculation on the matches I'd like to see at WrestleMania that haven't been made yet. So we kind of already know that we're getting Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. So you can kind of put that to the side. We kind of already know that Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley is happening. So you can put that to the side. Here's where I think we could get interesting, though. Because there's a lot of superstars left on the board that really need a place on this card. Otherwise, they're going to get left off. So, the first person I want to visit is LA Knight. I feel like I've visited him every week on the podcast and I've made sure to talk about him enough so that no one can forget him. And I know a lot of you are saying right now, he got buried. He got buried by Bray Wyatt. Bray, oh, Bray Wyatt buried him. No, this is what we need to happen. So LA Knight needs somebody that he can beat. LA Knight needs someone that he can beat that will give him credit as a superstar. So. Drew McIntyre, when he got fired, went to Impact and worked with one Eli Drake. They have worked together. They have a past together. Now, I don't know how comfortable Triple H is with talking about the past if the past doesn't involve WWE. But he has been in a faction with Drew Galloway, Drew McIntyre. He has referred to him as Mushmouth in other promos. He's not super afraid of Drew and his abilities. He's not super afraid of anybody. 
But if we could get face Drew McIntyre versus heel LA Knight, because LA Knight's already kind of a heel, that would work. And it would be a credible champion of the past that LA Knight can beat and get some credit. It boosts his star profile. Because right now, we have something in LA Knight that is a gift. It's not really what we thought. Well, not what I thought, but what Triple H thought bringing him up. That he was going to immediately electrify fans and have everyone screaming the words, yeah. I think there's a place on WrestleMania for LA Knight. I think he's earned a place at WrestleMania. And I think it's a travesty if he doesn't get it. Look at the rest of the roster of WWE. I think... I don't like the idea of doing the same matches over and over again. I really don't. I don't like 50-50 booking. I don't want to see the same match over and over again. But I think if Matt Riddle's on the return, I don't think it's a bad idea to group him up with Seth Rollins again. I think the first time they wrestled, the first three times they wrestled, every one of them were dynamite matches. I think Matt's been gone long enough where we can take another shot of that chocolate milk and it's not going to make us upset. I think the power move here is to bring Matt Riddle back and make sure he's working with someone that you know he can work with. They have great chemistry. They have the ability to make you feel like they really hate each other because they probably really do hate each other. And Seth Rollins has no problem saying that he hates uh, Matt Riddle at every turn either. It's an easy thing to do, and it's with someone that you can absolutely trust. And that's what makes it special. That's what makes it great. The believability in wrestling. So that's number two that I'm hoping for and wishing for. <laughs> 